You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It may or may not have escaped your attention that this podcast is called To Succeed, dot, 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 just let go. Just let go of the things that constrain us. Just let go of the things that hold us back. Or more precisely, just let go of the thoughts that hold us back. Because regardless of what is going on in your life, regardless of the calls on your attention, regardless of the push and pull and of the ups and downs and challenges of everyday life, it is only our own thoughts that constrain us. The thoughts that tell us that life is difficult. The thoughts that tell us that the action that we need to take is beyond our own capability. The thoughts that tell us to do things that we don't need to do so that we don't have any time left to do the things that we really need to do to move our lives forward. The thoughts that get in our own way. Now, I could have used a different phraseology to sum up what I've just said. I could have said that we need to allow ourselves We need to allow ourselves be free of our own thoughts. We need to allow ourselves be present enough to do just what we need to do to move us forward in our lives. We need to allow ourselves to be clear enough in our own minds to know the difference between what we need to do and what we don't need to do what we need to say, what we don't need to say. We need to be clear enough in our minds to allow ourselves just be. Now, somebody said to me on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, that sounds that I just need to surrender or detach or accept. Words like surrender, acceptance, and detachment, they're all associated with the presence of mind that comes through the practice of meditation. Some of them are Buddhist words, if I can use that label. And they all amount to the same thing. They all amount to allowing ourselves be, but there is an inherent suggestion in those words that I do need to almost take a back seat and let life roll over me, that I need to be a spectator in my life. Now, you and I know from our previous conversations that everything I have talked about in every single episode up to now and in all 800 plus videos that I've sent out every Thursday morning for donkey's ears at this stage is the exact opposite of being a spectator in your own life. Most people aren't even spectators in their own lives because their eyes are wide shut. 
96% of people, according to the universities of Chicago, Milan, Harvard, and the American Management Institute, or the American Management Association, should I say, 96% of people are dead from the neck up because they're using their minds automatically. They are allowing what cognitive psychology calls the automatic pilot run their lives. So they're not even spectators in their own lives. They're dead. They're missing their lives. They're as good as dead. And I know some people will take me to task on using such direct language when it comes to talking about what I would term normal crazy people. But that is a statement of simple scientific fact. The interesting thing is that to engage ourselves in our lives and to become part and parcel of the experience of our lives, all we have to do is open our eyes. And that's obviously what all of these episodes of this podcast is all about. But words like allow, surrender, detachment, and acceptance all carry, as I said a minute ago, the inherent suggestion that I need to take a back seat. <laughs> I'm saying the exact opposite. And when I use the word allow, what I'm actually saying is I allow myself to be present enough to do whatever it takes right now to move myself forward on this great adventure of my life. In other words, when I tell people that they need to allow themselves be, what I am actually doing is calling them to action. We need to be proactive in living our lives to the full. If we're one of the 96% of people, we're a bit player in our own lives. We're not even, as I said a minute ago, spectators. If we're one of the 96% of people, normal crazy people, our lives are passing us by. Surely we need to be the scriptwriter, producer, director, and star in the film of our own life. And that requires lights, the enlightenment of being, camera, seeing what's actually going on, and action. Lights, camera, action. We're talking about taking action. We're talking about leaping into the here and now and doing just what we need to do. Now, the problem with the normal mind is it doesn't know what we need to do. It doesn't know what we don't need to do. It will fill your day with busyness. As somebody said to me in a recent conversation, I feel like a busy fool. And we've all heard the expression working smarter rather than harder, but most people won't know what that actually means in practice. You'll only understand what doing what you need to do effortlessly, in other words, working smarter, means in practice when you have begun to experience the enlightenment of being, being in the present moment and allowing the part of you that does just do what it does naturally. In other words, do what's right to get you to where you want to go. I'm going to labor this point for a moment. And I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. The brain that you have is designed to enable you do just what you need to do to enable you survive. That's the way evolution developed 
the brain that is between 100% of people's ears on this planet. That means that in evolutionary times, were I out hunting for tonight's dinner and were I confronted by a woman or man-eating tiger, my doing brain would enable me get out of that situation in the least effortful, most effective, and most efficient way. I wouldn't have time to think about it. Now, there is the key to how we get in our own way in the modern world. We give ourselves time to think about everything. We aren't pressed into such a life and death situation that we just do. And yet, every moment of your life is a matter of life and death. So we're talking here about real action, which is completely different from how the normal mind experiences, if you can even call it that, everyday life in reactive mode. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about road rage and how the individual in question had let themselves fall or let themselves go and felt the worse for it afterwards. As I said, you know, you don't even need to do that. Just forget about it. If you did fall, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you get on with doing what the right thing is to do moment to moment. But this person had let themselves slip and had indulged in a little road rage. I won't go into the details, just in case they're ultimately charged with uh, an offence. And this person said to me, why did I behave that way? Why do we behave in the way in which we behave when we lose our temper? Why do we misbehave when we say things that we know will only throw fuel on the fire? Why do we misbehave when we say things to our children that we know we shouldn't say to them? There's a whole other conversation involved in that and one that we have touched on before, but one that I might touch on again in a future episode. Why do we behave in a way that stops ourselves doing what we need to do? Why do we trip ourselves up? Why do we put ourselves down? Why do we misbehave in our ordinary everyday lives? And the answer is quite simple. It is because the automatic pilot that I mentioned a few minutes ago is permanently, not constantly, permanently in reactive mode. We are designed to be reactive. In evolutionary times, if we were confronted by that woman or man-eating tiger, we were designed to take immediate reaction. The stress response, the fight or flight response is a reaction, and it is the most automated reaction built into us. So you might say to yourself, but hold on, a minute ago you said, I need to allow this part of my brain do what I need to do now in the real world, in the here and now, in the 21st century. I need to let my doing brain do what it does best and let my thinking brain take a back seat. And that is essentially the essence of everything that I talk about, everything that I practice, everything that I teach people, to allow their doing brain do what it does best, to allow the thoughts that wander through our head every day wander out 
just in the same fashion as they wandered in. So I need to clarify what I've just said. We are designed to be reactive creatures. The reaction, the automatic reaction of the fight or flight response saved our lives 10,000 years ago. But that reaction is actually killing us in the 21st century. And there is a crucial difference between the way in which that fight or flight reaction is triggered between then and now. Let me explain. Our primary goal in life when we were hunter-gatherers was to survive. Now, now, people will tell you that our primary goals were to procreate, to keep the race going, to, to better ourselves. But you can't do that if you're dead. So our actual primary goal was survival. That was hardwired into us. It still is hardwired into us. And therefore, when we are presented with a life-threatening situation, that hardwiring will immediately trigger the fight and flight reaction. It is going to save our lives when we are confronted with a life-threatening situation. As I said, it is triggered by the primary directive, if I can put it like that. It is triggered by our overriding goal in life to survive. But the fight or flight reaction is triggered in modern woman, modern man, day in, day out. I was going to say cause of stress. It is the cause of stress, the fight or flight response, the stress response, if you want to call it that. And it is entirely reactive. But whereas primary directive of survival would trigger that response to our benefit when we are confronted with a life-threatening situation, the daily stress response in our modern lives is triggered by our thinking mind. It's not triggered by the primary directive at all. It's triggered by the thoughts that we need to get out of our own way. Let me go a little deeper. We all learned how to make our way in the world, particularly during the third year of our lives. I won't go into that again. I've gone into it a number of times before. That learning was taken on board through a process known as snapshot learning. Those snapshots become the programs that our automatic pilot uses to enable us make it through the day in the modern age. Those programs give rise to 70,000 thoughts that whiz through our head every day. You'll only be aware of some of those thoughts from time to time, like when you make a fool of yourself or you question yourself or you doubt yourself or you trip yourself up or in a quiet moment when your mind is flooded with negative thoughts. Because as I said to somebody recently, when you are presented with a void or a vacuum, negative thoughts rush in. That's a scientific fact. Those thoughts, those programs, used by our automatic pilot, will always enable us react automatically to what we think is going on, not to what is actually going on. So the process of reaction, and as I said, 
the stress response is the most automated reaction built into us. The process of triggering the stress response in our everyday lives comes about as a result of my encountering something that is going on, not life-threatening, you know, encountering the bully at work, for example, or encountering a potentially stressful situation at home with my teenage children, something like that, or being stressed out as a result of having to go to meet a potentially big new client. The stress response will be triggered in those circumstances when those circumstances are presented to us. Now, they are outside events. And we have to internalize those outside events to enable us understand what is going on and understand how to behave ourselves in those circumstances. What actually happens is that we take the external circumstances, process them through the 70,000 thoughts that are whizzing through our head, apply one or more of the programs that we learned when we were three years old to enable us behave in the circumstances that we are now presented with and automatically behave accordingly. Let me put it in plainer language. Some event takes place. I process that by using thoughts that I've been thinking since I was 13 that I learned when I was three. That's how I make sense of the event that is now taking place. Obviously, I make nonsense of it because I'm using stuff that I learned when I was three years old. So now I don't know what's going on. I think I know what's going on. I will then think about whether who I think I am is capable of dealing with what I think is going on. All of this is done automatically by the automatic pilot using stored knowledge that I learned through snapshot learning when I was three. The outcome is an automatic reaction, the same automatic reaction that I have always taken to similar circumstances at every point in time in which I have experienced similar circumstances since I was three. It's an automatic reaction and if I don't think I am up to dealing with what I think is going on, the stress response will be triggered. And because when I was three years old, I learned more about my perceived inadequacies than my perceived strengths, 99 times out of 100, I will trigger the stress response rather than saying to myself, oh, I think I can deal with what I think is going on. So it's an entirely reactive process. And that is why I lose my cool when somebody cuts in front of me on the road and indulge in a little bit of road rage. That is why I misbehave. That is why I throw fuel on the fire and say things that I know will only make things worse rather than better. Every reaction will always make things worse rather than better. Now, when we allow ourselves be, that whole reactive mechanism is disengaged and I am ready to act. Taking action is completely and utterly different from reaction. Taking action will enable you change your life completely. Take a minute to take that in. Taking action will enable you change your life completely. You might have had goals and objectives up to now. Let's take a simple one, like it's the new year and I want to get fit or I want to lose weight. So you have a plan, you have a goal and you fail. 
and you fail because your normal mind will always revert to type. Your normal way of thinking will always enable you react to everything that's going on. So you have this big goal in January, and then you're due to go to the gym on a cold, wet winter, February night, and you say to yourself, well, actually, I'll stay by the fire, have a cup of tea and a few biscuits, because that's what I normally do. That's how I've always reacted to situations that I think I find myself in. That's how we don't change our lives when we use our minds normally. Or should I say that's how we can't change our lives when we use our mind normally. Using your mind normally will always root you to the spot. You are never going to be able to change your life or any aspect of it until you start using your mind abnormally, until you allow yourself be. We train ourselves to allow ourselves be present in the moment by training ourselves to pay attention to the reality of the present moment. That training is meditation. The cognitive, psychological and neuroscientific evidence in relation to how meditation does that is overwhelming at this point in time. And that's only the beginning of things, by the way, because the most fundamental change that will take place in the very neural pathways of your brain as a result of regular meditation will enable you make the right choices, make the right decisions and take the right action in each and every moment that you are present. So that on a cold February winter evening, or a cold April evening, as it is as I'm recording this, on a cold evening, you will say to yourself, ah, just going to do it. I'm just going to do what I know I need to do to move myself forward in the direction that I want my life to go. The only thing that would stop you doing that is you thinking about it. It's exactly the same process as I mentioned about 20 minutes ago when I said, when confronted by the woman or man-eating beast in the jungle seven or 8,000 years ago, we didn't have time to think about what we needed to do. We just did it. This is exactly how your brain will work when you park the thinking mind that uses outdated thought to make nonsense of what is actually going on in the here and now, and which results in the reactive bad behavior that will root you to the spot that you're trying to move away from in your life. It all comes down to presence of mind. Everything comes down to presence of mind. What does presence of mind actually mean? It means I'm here. It means I am aware of what's going on in the moment. It means that I'm aware of how I'm feeling in the moment. So even if I'm feeling nervous, for example, I am aware of it. Most people will be nervous. Most people are on edge. Most people are on edge all of the time because of the way the automatic pilot operates. But because they are not in control of their own state of mind, they're not even aware that they might be nervous. So there's nothing they can even attempt to do about it. And as we said a moment ago, even the attempt to do about it will not bear fruit if they're not using their minds in an abnormal fashion. The abnormal way of using your mind, or should I say the extraordinary way of using your mind, is being present, smelling the roses, tasting the coffee, knowing what's going on, appreciating how you feel, 
and knowing what you need to do and just doing it without thinking about it. Let me explain how this works in actual practice. A few weeks ago, somebody told me that they were confronted with a difficult situation at work. They had to deal with a very difficult individual who they thought they wouldn't be able to deal with. They meditated for a couple of minutes before doing what they needed to do. They were present, wholly present in their own mind as a result of that short meditation, that little, what I would call a mini meditation, so that when they were confronted by the difficult individual, they just said exactly what they needed to say without thinking about it because they left their thinking mind at the door as a result of the mini meditation. They just said exactly what they needed to say and as they told me afterwards, I was actually gobsmacked by the fact that I was saying what I was saying. It's like as if I was hearing myself saying it, or the actual words that they then used were, it's like as if I was a vessel, and what needed to be said came from the inside out through my mouth. It's like as if I wasn't in control of myself. Now, the actual fact of the matter was that they were perhaps for the first time in their lives in a difficult situation like that, in complete control, because they had not thought about how they might not be able to say what they had to say. They hadn't no time to think about how they might feel saying what they might have to say. They had no time to think that they mightn't be capable of saying it. They had no time to wonder about what the other person might think of them as a result of them saying what had to be said. They just did it. And that's the whole point about allowing yourself be. You turn up to each moment and the mind that nature gave you knows where you are, knows what you need to do to achieve that to which you have set your mind. As I said earlier on, in evolutionary times, our minds were set, preset, I suppose, to survive. Nowadays, we have all kinds of different goals and objectives, don't we? We have all kinds of things that we would like to change in our lives or improve in our lives, little aspects of our lives, grand aspects of our lives. We set our minds in the same way that our mind was preset by evolution to survive, we set our minds to achieve those goals and objectives by expecting the outcomes to happen. Now, I have a number of other episodes about how to actually do that. I don't intend to go into that in this episode here now. But really what I'm saying to you is, that we need to detach ourselves from our own thoughts. That's the detachment. We need to surrender to the flow of the universe that will give us everything we need when we do the right things and when we behave ourselves. That's the surrender. And we need to allow ourselves to be present enough moment to moment so that we 
are fully immersed in the reality of the moment, are fully aware of what is going on, and are effortlessly aware of what we need to do. And as a result of being wholly present, we just do and say the right things and forget the rest. This means that all of the crap that you don't need to do on a daily basis, the busy fool that I mentioned earlier on, just falls by the wayside. It means that you become effortlessly successful as a result of just doing the right things. It means that you have a lot more time on your hands to do more of the stuff that you really enjoy in your life. It means that you are more present for those around you and in particular those you love and it means that through your presence you raise their game as well this all ties beautifully back in with last week's episode where i talked about exceptional success this is exceptional success in action the call to action that i mentioned earlier on real action and the most important real action that we must take every day is to meditate. Because from our meditation, our ability to take real action effortlessly flows. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-hall.com.